0: This morning, the gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, and you can find it on page 730 of the Pew Bible. In this gospel lesson, Jesus crashes a perfectly tragic funeral, and he makes it all about himself. You'll see what I mean. Please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. From Luke 7, we begin at verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us. In the truth, your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. There are some things that you just don't do at a funeral. There are certain unwritten rules that everyone is expected to know and follow. It's a matter of respect for the dead and compassion for the family. Some things are appropriate to say, and some things are not. Some things are appropriate to do, and other things are not. It's a matter of respect and compassion. So there are certain unwritten rules at a funeral. I'll give you uh, just three of them, and know that this list is not exhaustive, but I think it will give you a good start. Rule number one, let the family mourn. People are going to cry at a funeral. Some might cry a lot. Don't try to stop them. You might sometimes be tempted to say, don't cry, and you might think that that will help, but usually it does not help. People need to be able to weep. It's healthy. It's part of grieving. So don't tell them to stop crying. Let the family mourn. And rule number two, this one applies to the general public, to everybody, not not just those in attendance at the funeral. Don't hold up a funeral procession. Okay, When you see a hearse coming, Stay out of the way. It doesn't matter if it's your turn at the four-way stop. It doesn't matter what you are late for. Let everyone go through. It's a matter of respect. Don't hold up a funeral procession. And then the third rule that I'll give you today, and this one is so obvious it shouldn't even have to be mentioned, but we'll mention it anyways, because violation of this rule can be extremely disrespectful. Rule number three, don't mess with the body. Just let it rest peacefully. Don't touch it. Don't try to make it do anything. It's not respectful. Just let it be. Don't mess with the body. Just don't do it. So these are the three rules, the unwritten rules, that I'll give you today. And I'm sure we could add more to the list, but this is just an introductory course. So... If you follow these three rules, you will have a good start to being a compassionate and respectful friend. So remember these three rules. Let the family mourn, don't hold up a funeral procession, and don't mess with the body. These are the three unwritten rules we'll consider today. And uh, I picked these particular rules because in the gospel lesson, these are the rules that Jesus breaks. So let's consider the text together. The scene opens with Jesus approaching a town called Nain. Along with him are his disciples as well as a great crowd. And as they come up to the gate of the city, they run into another crowd coming out of the gate. And this is not your typical everyday crowd. This is a funeral procession. And it was a a rather somber one at that. The young man who was being carried out was an only child, or at least the only male child, which was significant in the ancient world. And beyond that, the mother was a widow. And that put this woman in a rather desperate situation. The person here with a real problem, I guess aside from the dead guy, of course, was The mother. In ancient Israel, having a husband or a son guaranteed women certain social protections. That's just the way society was. And perhaps even more important than that, having a son or a husband provided income. There were few, if any, jobs available for women. And if there were any, the pay would have been well below a living wage. So for this woman, beside the obvious emotional loss of losing her only son, she had a serious financial problem. This was long before any kind of government assistance. And so uh, regardless of your own personal political convictions, I think we all can admit that this woman, she could have used some social security, right? And this was also long before the invention of such things as life insurance, or 401ks. So we might be wondering, how did people in the ancient world plan for retirement? How did they ensure their futures? Well, there were two things that you could do. One, you could become ridiculously wealthy and then pay people to take care of you when you get old. This, unfortunately, did not work for everybody. If you were a normal person, you would have to, well, you would have to get procreative, right? You would have to invest in children. And this is what the general public did. Have some babies, raise them right, and count on them taking care of you when you get old. If you get old. And for most people, this seemed to work pretty well. But for some people the investment they made in children ended up not paying off. And that is what happened to this widow. After the death of her husband, her only son died, and she was left with nothing. And that is what made this particular funeral so tragic. Not only was a young man dead, but his widowed mother was left with nothing to live on. So this is a situation where respect and compassion are especially appropriate. For most people in attendance at the funeral, this would be a good time to follow those unwritten rules. But Jesus is not most people, so he doesn't follow them. Jesus isn't even invited to the funeral, and he still manages to break the rules. As far as we can tell, he doesn't even know the dead man or his mother. But he feels compelled to crash this perfectly tragic funeral, and he makes it all about himself. So as the pallbearers are carrying this dead man out of the city, Jesus walks up to his mother, and he breaks rule number one. He says, do not weep. If ever there was a time for weeping, it was now. This woman has every right to cry and cry and cry. She has the license to cry as much as she wants, and no one should try to stop her. So who does Jesus think that he is, telling her not to weep? But that's not enough, is it? Jesus doesn't let it go at that. He keeps pushing. He has to stop the funeral procession. He walks right up to the pallbearers, and he touches the beer. Your translation might say casket instead of beer, because unless you're a funeral director, you probably don't know what a beer is. I had to look it up. Nowadays, it is a table or a platform that you place a casket on. 2,000 years ago, it was more like a, a stretcher or an open casket that you would lay a corpse on. And that's what was going on here. The pallbearers were carrying this stretcher, and on the stretcher laid a dead young man, the only son of his widowed mother. The pallbearers are performing their respectful and compassionate, solemn, task of carrying this young man to his final resting place. But Jesus feels compelled to interrupt their work. Imagine the shock at this moment for the two crowds looking on. As we uh, remember today the tragic events that occurred in our nation 15 years ago, imagine the shock and the horror. If someone would have interrupted a memorial service or one of those funeral processions while grieving families and an entire nation watched, interrupting such a solemn event would be unthinkable, right? But as these pallbearers perform their solemn and respectful duty, Jesus feels compelled to interrupt their work. He touches the beer, and they stop dead in their tracks. The whole funeral procession has to stop. The mother has to stop. Two large crowds stop, and everyone is looking at Jesus. Who does Jesus think he is holding up this funeral procession? What is he planning to do? So we see now that Jesus has broken our first two unwritten rules of funeral etiquette, He didn't let the family mourn and he interrupted the procession. Why? Well, Jesus breaks these two rules because he also intends to break the third. Jesus is going to mess with the body. Jesus speaks to the dead man. He says, Young man, I say to you, arise. Now, if... You are ever tempted to do this at a funeral, I would advise you not to. You will look foolish because dead people cannot hear you. And even if they could, they would not be able to obey your command because, well, they're dead. Do not tell dead people to get up. You will look foolish and disrespectful and it will be like salt in the wound of a grieving family. So who does Jesus think he is telling a dead guy to get up? There are two large crowds standing there watching all of this play out. So I wonder, for this brief moment after Jesus says, arise, what were they thinking? Was was this just getting too far out of hand? Was someone going to need to step in and pull Jesus away so the procession could go on? Well, let's read on and see what happens. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Suddenly, Jesus' well ill-advised behavior makes a lot of sense. Now we see who Jesus is and why he thinks it's a good idea to break all these unwritten rules. So who does Jesus think he is telling this widow to not weep over the death of her son? Well, the one who will wipe away every tear. That's who. And who does Jesus think he is holding up this funeral procession? Well, the one man who makes death stop dead in its tracks. That's who. And who does Jesus think he is? giving commands to a dead guy? Well, the one whose words bring life to the dead. That's who. That's who Jesus is. And that's what gives him the right to behave the way he did. So the next time you go to a funeral, don't do any of the things Jesus did. But be very, very glad that Jesus did. Because these things, they show us who Jesus is. And they show us what he will do for us. He is the one who will wipe away every tear. He is the one who makes death stop dead in its tracks. He is the one whose words bring eternal life to the dead. Jesus gave life back to this dead man, and he gave this son back to her widowed mother, back to his widowed mother. And in the process, he gave this small family and these two large crowds a preview of what was to come. He gave them a preview of what he would do in his own resurrection. Jesus had performed the most remarkable miracle. No one had seen anything like this. But his work was not done. His work was just beginning. It would not be enough to to simply go around raising people from the dead. Because people would keep getting sick. And they would keep dying. In order to find a universal solution, Jesus would have to get at the root of the problem. Right? He would have to deal with death face to face. And in order to do that, he would have to deal with sin, the cause of death. And this is what the cross is all about. If he was going to heal our disease once and for all, he would have to bear our sin and die our death. And so that is what he did. He bore our sin in his body. He suffered our death. And having suffered death, he overcame it. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. But something was different about this resurrection. A change had occurred in Jesus' resurrection. Since the sinless one, the sinless Son of God, had borne the sin of the whole world, the cause of death was removed. His body was now free from the corruption that causes death. Jesus would never die again. Unlike this young man from Nain, who was raised to eventually just die again, Jesus will never die again. He has created a new kind of resurrection. And this this new kind of resurrection does not just return things to the way they were before death. This kind of resurrection restores things to the way they were before sin, to the way they were intended to be. Jesus has done more than remove death. He has removed the cause of death. Sin, my sin, your sin, our sin, this is what he has removed. And this is the universal solution, this is what gives us hope. When we have funerals today, everything goes according to plan. The family mourns, no one interrupts, and we put the body in the ground. Unfortunately, no one comes to break all those rules. We don't get the gift that widowed mother got, at least not yet. But we are given hope, sure and certain hope, that Jesus has defeated this enemy of death along with its cause. We have hope that Jesus will wipe away tears from every eye forever. We have hope that Jesus will make death stop dead in its tracks forever. We have hope that Jesus' words can and will bring life, everlasting life, to the dead, forever. We possess the sure and certain hope that Jesus will come again and raise the dead. Not after the pattern of this young man's resurrection, but after the pattern of his own resurrection. This is the promise he has made to us, guaranteed with the fact of his own resurrection. On that day, Jesus will say one last time, arise, and the dead will rise. Jesus will give sons back to their mothers, daughters back to their fathers, and he will give all of his believing saints to our gracious Heavenly Father. And thus it shall be forever and ever, world without end.